Hey everybody and welcome back to Don't Praise the Machine. This is episode number 118. I'm so excited to be sat digitally across from my number one pod partner. He's got to be the one called... John Maloney. And I am sat digitally across from you, John, but you're not so far. I could access you mm. by land. You could. If I wanted to. Yeah. I would not, I'd not have to travel over the seas. I'm in Germany. You're in France. I'm in France. Yeah, it's as close as we, it's it's hundreds of meters closer than we usually are. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you want to just introduce me? I want to say thanks <laughs> to my number one pod brother, Alexander Holland. <laughs> yeah, and can you use my can you use can you use my new nickname that I asked you to? The new nickname. What did you say? What yeah. did you say it should be? Can you can you can you check WhatsApp and can you please do what would be the American pronunciation of the first word? <laughs> What's my nickname? Okay. For some reason, you said no. So say so. So, so say so. Say so. Can you reintroduce me? You could say yeah, sure. And you want me to say it in an American accent? <laughs> I just want you to pronounce the first word of the nickname because it's that slut. It's not the. It's not. It's not a. They say ah. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Don't Praise the Machine. This is episode 118, and I'm here with my number one pod brother, Apricot Pepsi. <laughs> I just, I was, I just was laughing at myself with that. I don't know why that came up, but I just, I like the idea that I'm ginger, so apricot kind of works, and then I just love not pronouncing it like Australians would say apricot, yeah. and I've always loved that Americans say apricot, yeah. and then I love the 1980s, I love Back <laughs> to the Future, I love Michael Jackson, who we're going to mention in a minute, so that's mm. where the Pepsi comes from. Yeah. I just thought, I've done I've done a George Costanza and just given myself <laughs> yeah, a nickname, right. apricot. Would you please welcome to the show my number one pod partner, it's Alexander Holland, aka Apricot Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> Never too late to reinvent yourself. Did anyone call you anything at school? T Bone? Yeah, they call me T Bone Malone. <laughs> <laughs> Which no. is again the George Costanza nickname. Yeah, it is too. T Bone. I don't think so. People more recently in I mean post school have called me various things like JB, which is short for John Boy. Sh- oh. Shout out to Henry and Tamara, my old housemates who used to, uh, along with others in the UK, call me JB. Ah, what did, when we went to school, there was a priest teacher called Father Bowler. Yeah. And he famously gave everybody nicknames. Mm. And I remember telling, I remember, I don't know if we've discussed this on the podcast, mm. but I, I, one of my earliest memories of you when <laughs> you were at the school, yeah. but we weren't, we weren't necessarily close friends, mm. was that... I just remember you piping up in a Father Bowler religion class mm. and complaining that you hadn't been given a nickname yet. <laughs> I don't know why I remembered that. Yeah. Probably because I just thought, what the fuck's up with this guy? He wants the priest to give him a nickname. <laughs> yeah, what was up with me? I'm not sure. And I don't know. I think he called me Trouble after that because I was just... Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 
because I was just annoying him. I was at an age where I was like, nicknames are kind of cool. I'd quite like one. And he kept kept going around the room giving everyone nicknames and just calling me John. Um, so thank you to Father Bowler. Shout out to Father Bowler. Mm. Big, big, fa- massive fan of the podcast. <laughs> Father, Father Bowler. <laughs> Fun Australian German news, John. You'll be you'll be very happy to know that your Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, touched mm. down in Berlin yesterday. He's mm. meeting my leader, Olaf Scholz. Mm-hmm. And they're talking tanks. There's gonna be a oh, wow. press conference today. Uh, Australia set to sign a deal to uh, worth more than one billion dollars to sell wow. Australian-made armored vehicles to Germany before talks at the NATO summit. And uh shout out to all of our Queenslanders out there, it's gonna they're gonna be a hundred Brisbane made boxer heavy weapon carriers. Uh, Great, yeah. To Germany, we love, we love making things that kill people and selling them to the world. Here we call them tankaroos, or down in Victoria, nine hundred tankery doos. We're selling nine hundred. We're selling. That's what Anthony Albanese is going to say. Yeah. Australia, Australia is set to deliver a hundred Brisbane-made tankery doos <laughs> to our friends in Germany. <laughs> I wonder if there's ever going to be an Australian prime minister that doesn't do like Australian politician mm. voice. West, we've we've developed these tanks for working families. <laughs> the same. <laughs> 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 this government is committed to providing defence to hard-working Aussie families and battlers. Yeah, good. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of, um, there's been occasional comments during my stay in France about the ill-fated deal to sell us submarines. Was it uh, France that was going to sell us submarines? Yeah, yeah I believe so. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, and then we, and then we kind of double-crossed Macron, Emmanuel Macron. Yeah. And we said to him, sorry, but we can't be buying submarines from a man who married his teacher. (laughs) (laughs) It would be be inappropriate. (laughs) John, speaking of things that are inappropriate, I wrote to you in the week because I just wanted to run this by you, because especially this early in the show, mm. <laughs> I said, I said one of our favourite things on the podcast is to talk about things, to uncomfortable truths, and mm. I need your help with a problem that I've been having recently. Is <laughs> I was on at <laughs> the start of every show, is I need John's help with a problem that I've been having. Yeah. And I was, on, I was on Instagram, and some video came up, uh, probably unrelated to Michael Jackson, but the background music was the Michael Jackson song "You Are Not Alone" from mm. his 1995 album "History." It was the second single released from "History." I think the first must have been "Scream" with his sister Janet yeah, with the okay. with the multi squillion dollar music video, and then the mm. second single was "You Are Not Alone," mm-hmm. uh, and that just came up on my Instagram thing. Just and remind was, us. Remind us how it goes. Sure. Do you want the verse or the chorus? I'll do, I can give um, you a little bit. I mean, the, yeah, the intro. Us. The intro. Mm-hmm. The intro is the intro is the, just the. Uh, uh, 
another <clears throat> another just let me get my another another right na na yeah. na 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 another day is gone i'm still all alone oh lovely and then uh, if you're looking for the chorus, then that's uh, or the, bri- the kind of pre-chorus. Mm-hmm. Every day I sit and ask myself, why did uh, love yeah. slip away? You are not alone. I am here with you. And I am here with you. I'm here with you. Do it fiery, do fiery. Yeah, it's a, it's a great <laughs> song. I was yeah. not a massive. I was not a massive fan of it when it came out because it's really soft. Yeah, it's the kind of yeah, song yeah. that um, it's the kind of song that you don't really see in the charts that that much these days because you sort of soft ballady stuff. Mm. The charts seem to be much more dominated by club bangers these days. But they decided yeah. we'll put out the club banger scream first, and then out comes "You Are Not Alone." Do you remember the music video? It is so weird. I did actually. Uh, just, I copied okay. the link for you, John. Oh, so so see, I've even time stamped it because this will also give you a little bit of a, um, and I just want you to describe what mm-hmm. you're seeing, what you're seeing here. I'll tell you what I'm seeing. And I am here with you. It has it has uh, been on YouTube for 13 years, and it has <laughs> 300. And f- I'm just waiting for the ad because I come too tight for a YouTube subscription. And it's got 340 million views. Pretty good. Wow, he's a he's a strange looking fella, isn't he? You forget that. Um, So he's on stage dancing with his kind of shirt off. Oh my goodness! Then he's like he's kind of cavorting. I'm pretty sure that it's based that some of the images might be taken from. Let me see. Wow. Yeah, okay. So he's on a stage dancing around. His shirt is exposed. His decolletage and face <laughs> are both very pasty and white. And and then it's going to him uh, kind of erotically sitting in a towel and he's in a he's in a sort of pillar um pillared like area. Ro- Roman bathhouse. Uh, exactly, like a Roman bathhouse, cavorting with a woman. Then he's in the desert. Yeah. Then he's you know walking past some... Uh, no, who is it? That's Elvis Presley's daughter and Michael Jackson's then uh, wife, Lisa Marie Presley, mm. in one of the greatest sham marriages of all time. <laughs> and then he's in the desert and then he's like walking past paparazzo and then... <laughs> So, and would you say he looks like a really tough masculine man, the kind that Lisa Marie Presley would definitely want to marry? Not necessarily, no. I would say <laughs> he's got a sort of bob haircut at the time, like a it middle part It was the part worst bob. haircut. That mm. sort of, he did that uh, in 95 around the history period. He got this, right. it was like, it was kind of the 90s curtains, but even, it was, it was even weirder. Mm. Yeah, because it's very kind of. Yeah, it's, it's like that plus a sort of bob background. Oh, back. It's almost like a, he couldn't decide whether he wanted to have a long or short hair, so he's, yeah. he's gone in the middle and it's not worked at all. And there's various other bits where he's like, he's basically just singing the lyrics and standing and gesturing, but he's on uh, a kind of mountain precipice um, next to the ocean, then he's back on stage, then he's back in his little weird bathhouse. Um <laughs> 
Oh yeah, there and they would you, are. And what would you give this out of five? I'd give it uh, three bags of popcorn, <laughs> probably. <laughs> of course, I remember the the song very well, and it's you know it's like a, it's a classic, isn't it? It is. It's an absolute classic. And the reason mm. that I wanted to bring it up with you, and the problem that I've been having, is that uh, I know something about this song that I think a lot of people don't know. I think it's mm. been. I think like so many things in the world, it's been hidden from the public because they don't want you to know. They mm. they they want you to just they want you. So I mean. Here's the thing. It's already it's already challenging for us Michael Jackson fans out there yeah, because yeah. if you have any type of critical thinking, mm. then you probably have accepted that Michael Jackson was probably not the greatest guy in the world. Mm. No. Uh, he has had no less than four now grown men uh, accusers come forward and say that they were sexually abused by him when yeah. they were children. Uh, not to mention the kind of years and years of bizarre behavior that he had with children. I mean, he built, he did, he did turn his house into a theme park. Yeah, which exactly. We need to, re- which we need to remember. Yeah. And and so it's already difficult enough for us Michael Jackson fans because the separating of the art and the artist yeah. is a challenge. I it's always a challenge. Separating the flute from the flautist, you've got to. <laughs> <laughs> Got to separate the flute and the flautist, which is hard. Did you make that up? Is this like a DPTM yeah. thing? That's great. Yeah, I think so. I don't know why. It just has a nice ring to it. Because it has the same kind of phonetic sound yeah, as exactly. art and artist. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> but what did a lot of people... So you are not alone. It's already yeah. a difficult... It's already... I love I love the song now. I was singing it in my kitchen. Mm. It's already difficult enough because you're thinking, wow, that Michael Jackson probably wasn't a great guy, but I'm yeah. just going to forget about that because his musical canon's too great and his cultural influence was too good. I'm just, just going to turn a blind eye and keep singing You Are Not Alone. And then mm. I remember instantly that that song was written by one other individual and that man was Chicago's finest R&B hero and convicted sex offender R. Kelly. Oh no. <laughs> uh, R. Kelly who was recently sentenced to 20 years in prison by Chicago by Chicago court over his mm. convictions for child pornography and enticement. And then I think he also I was trying to work this out. I think he also got that doubled up with 30 years in prison because he got he was tried in both Chicago and New York, and I right. think he also got thirty years in prison f- on trafficking charges in yeah. New York. So they're the two men behind you are not the, the behind you are not alone, mm. and it's just it's a difficult song that makes it a difficult song to sing. Yeah, it sure does. So it's a complicated song to sing, separating the. F- the flute from the flautist. <laughs> in fact, I the, I think the reason that I said I sent it to you because I said, is this is this the most difficult? Is this the most problematic? The most mm. challenging separation of art and artist song of all time is mm. a song sung by Michael Jackson and written mm-hmm. by R. Kelly. Uh, R. Kelly, and then, but very touching and sweet. But very touching and sweet. Yeah, associated with lots of good things. And then you pointed something out to me as well, which is mm. that um, you jumped on Spotify and R. Kelly is still racking up. I mean, obviously mm. Michael Jackson is, um, but R. Kelly is still on there and he's still racking up millions of plays per yeah. month. People, are yeah. absolute, which I think surprised you. It, it and surprised me. A lot of people, a lot of people thinking about that flute, not thinking about the man playing the flute. <laughs> I feel like. 
it's kind of a different thing with with Michael Jackson, right? Because he's kind of in the cultural pantheon, as you as you said before. And well, the the other thing with Mike, the other difference with Michael Jackson is because he died. There's a kind of yeah. plausible deniability about the whole exactly. thing. So everybody just looks looks the other way, and people everyone don't. says, "Well, he never got his day in court, even though yeah, he did. But, exactly. You know, um, and you know, we don't know to a certainty, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I mean, we do pretty much. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, whereas R. Kelly's kind of had this very public downfall and he's, you know, properly demented. I mean, he's, a, he's, <laughs> yes. he's, he's, it's not just, uh, some kind of one off. It's like a very concerted problem. So I looked it up. He's getting, as, as of right now, he has four point, R. Kelly has 4.7 million listeners per month on Spotify. And I was being conservative mm. and I, I know, I know what Spotify pays. And my guess is that if he's getting 4.7 million individual listeners per month, which probably yeah. you can assume that some of those are listening to more than one R. Kelly song a month or playing the same song more than once. He would that that month that would be generating about two hundred forty thousand dollars a year in Spotify mm. money, and it's people just still bumping that remix to ignition. You know they can't. <laughs> it's just they cannot stop being so hot and fresh no. out of the kitchen. Noisy say normally I don't do this, but uh... normally I don't do this. But uh, let me ask remix. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, it's unfortunately a good song, and I used to. Uh, just walk around the house singing it with my housemate, but you can't do that anymore. At least for me, I think. I mean, I don't. I'd be happy not to listen to their music again. Which so it doesn't really raise a grave dilemma for me because I'm just like, well, I just won't put that on. But I think if you're, um, I mean, what's interesting to me is you still find if you go to bars or whatever that yeah. they'll they'll play Michael Jackson as though it's all fine. Yeah. And whereas I don't think they would play R. Kelly. Or maybe they That's would. Right. I don't know. No, but, I no, I think yeah. I think you're right. I think they wouldn't. But then it's this weird thing mm. where it's it's become this kind of secret shame because they're not playing mm. in public because everybody's gonna be a bit like, Oh, you can't play R. Kelly in public. It's it's weird, turn that off. But then everybody's mm. sneakily rushing home to their Spotify. <laughs> And gouging yeah. like like a box of chocolates. They're just gouging on. I believe I could fly. Remix to ignition. Yeah. I actually looked up his most listened to. And there's some. Oh, look, I hate to say this. There are some absolute jams in here. This, if you haven't heard, same. Girl, I believe I can fly. That's got a similar yeah. feel to. That's got a similar feel to. We, you are not alone. I believe I can fly. That's right. Yeah. That was from mm. from Space Jam. Your favorite film. Mm, that's another layer. I mean, can I not watch Space Jam anymore? Because <laughs> I've already watched it once today. <laughs> you always make me uncomfortable because you come round to my house and you say <laughs> what you put on the you put on the Netflix and say, "Oh, let's just have another Woody Allen and Roman Polanski marathon." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just I just love um, having. Having ignition remix on and watching <laughs> Annie Hall. <laughs> I 
So, Al, one thing that um, that came across my desk during the week, which I thought you and our listeners might be interested in, and I can't actually remember uh, at what point it did. I've had a bit of a whirlwind trip in France, and I was just looking down my list of Schblags, and I saw the phrase celebrity slot machines. But I think it was because I was on uh, Instagram, maybe, and there was a celebrity on there. Can't remember who it was now. Or maybe somebody just playing a slot machine, and it was a... That's right. It was it was somebody, a comedian, who was playing a slot machine. And the slot machine was just uh, the name of a celebrity and their kind of caricatured likeness. And then like a game, wow. like a poker machine. And I thought, I wonder if that's kind of a, a thing that celebrities do because you couldn't just use that person's uh, name and likeness without giving them some money, I would assume. And yeah. sure enough, it is uh, something that some <laughs> celebrities and celebrity projects have gone in for as a way of making extra money. Um, so... I was looking up, I was looking this up, and I and I came across an article on uh, Great Bridge Links, I think it's called, and it's uh, and it's from two thousand and eighteen, and it says ten of the weirdest celebrity slot machines, uh, <laughs> and and it says basically says that uh, slot machines are hugely popular, and it didn't take long before celebrities and their agents realised that they could profit from that by licensing the celebrity's likeness to slot machines. And so you've got people like uh, Britney Spears. Um, she's got what? a she's got a slot machine uh, in 2015. She got her own Britney Spears branded she's slot machine. A, it's a black and it's a can, blackjack machine called Hit Me Dealer one more time. Yeah, that's right. And uh, <laughs> and it's it's you can find a whole discussion about it on TripAdvisor's Vegas forum apparently. There's one uh, from Paris Hilton, um, and I think uh, maybe they were competing because Paris uh, raced to license her own likeness um, soon after Britney, I think. Uh, And then you've got things like, well, you've got Hulk Hogan, our favorite, DPTM uh, fan of the show and and patron, Hulk Hogan. He's got one. Uh, Another... Another person that we're great fans of on the show, Ellen DeGeneres. She, no, um, what? Ellen DeGeneres has a slot machine? Yeah, there's like a YouTube clip with her, which she put on the show, of her just like going to Vegas and playing with her own slot machine. Uh, Arnie, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, then wow, you've got I things can't... like The Hangover. Um, oh, like a movie tie-in slot machine. Like a, yeah, like, the, movie... the way they used to do like a Kiss pinball machine. Exactly, exactly the same. Yeah, they've got they've got a movie tie-in slot machine. They've got an "I'm a celebrity, get me out of here" slot machine, um, and Dolly Parton. I'm afraid I'm ashamed to yeah. say um, she's got a slot machine. There's also a, a Nightmare on Elm Street slot machine, a Happy Days slot <laughs> machine. I'm not sure who's collecting the royalties on those anymore, but maybe someone. There's out there. something particularly dark about like a. A slot machine with the word nightmare in the title because mm. I can just picture somebody, yeah. somebody's last paycheck just disappearing into the night, <laughs> the nightmare on Elm Street. It's more, yeah, <laughs> it's more exactly. like night, nightmare in Vegas slot machine. Yeah, night, 
That's right. I mean, I was... The nightmare uh, is about to begin when you get home. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when, you have to, when you have to tell your kids you can't, they can't live in that house anymore. <laughs> that's the, I'm that's sorry. the true nightmare. I'm sorry, kids, Street. but I've, I've blown everything on Ellen and Brittany and... <laughs> <laughs> Happy day! What a la- what lame slot machines as well to lose your fucking life savings on to be like oh yeah oh, exactly. fucking lost all my life savings on Ellen. <laughs> I think I've got a I think I've got a system for the hangover machine. <laughs> I just can't resist. I think it's cashing out resist, more than I can't others. resist that smiling Bradley Cooper and the goofiness of Zach Galifianakis just lure me in. Yeah, every exactly. time. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, I was, I, uh, a few years ago worked on this Royal Commission, which yeah. is like, for those who don't, aren't familiar with that, it's like a public investigation into the casino licensing in Victoria. And man, there was some pretty dark tales of, uh, people using poker machines as we call them to, uh, you know, like to excess people s- sitting there for hours or days and so it's nice that celebrities <laughs> have lent a hand uh and and that you know semi-successful movie franchises are just stuffing their pockets with money that's come from gambling addicts in vegas it's so such a weird thing i mean imagine like why is ellen doing it surely she has enough money without without just get, getting an yeah. extra income stream from people down and out and although she is she is sort of being revealed over time as being a potentially quite awful person Mm. Mm. her agents just said to her you know what we could do is just (laughs) sell your name and face to gambling and she was like yeah fuck yeah let's do that i'm just i'm disappointed that there's not yet a star wars poker machine because Mm. well obviously i instantly thought about the day that we will one day uh, license DPTM, <laughs> maybe there'll be a maybe there'll be a schlag button, just just a green slime it schlag takes, button. It just takes everything that you've put in the machine so far, all credits, and puts it all on one single bet. <laughs> yeah, and we'll be we could do a tie-in with various, you know, like. Bill Paxton, people who've <laughs> featured heavily on the show. John, whenever I'm looking for content for the show and I'm getting really anxious because it's coming up to record time and I got nothing, I quickly <laughs> rack my brain and I think, what's a mm-hmm. what's a barbecue what's a barbecue chat challenge that I can give to John Maloney because I know that you love it <laughs> when I challenge you to start using Gen Z language at your backyard barbecues when I start asking you to tell <laughs> terrible jokes at backyard barbecues. Yeah. Just I like the idea of yep. you being I particularly like the like the idea of you being introduced to say Jacinta's friends who you don't necessarily know that well. Maybe she there's an old friend in town, she invites them around for a barbecue yep. 
And I love just imagining you just doing a whole bunch of weird things that makes them raise an eyebrow <laughs> and go, why is Jacinta chosen this, this man? guy? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure several of them have thought that. And so I heard, so I, yeah. I was watching, a, I think I was in a conversation re- recently where somebody used this line and they used the line right. appropriately. Uh, but then I just thought, I just thought, what if you just took that same line, but you just put it at a part of the conversation that was not appropriate. And so <laughs> that, So what I wanted you to do, John, is you've mm. got to imagine that you've met a new person and you're saying mm-hmm. some, you're asking them some classic John questions like, so, right. so what have you been up to? How's the job going? Yeah. What have you been up? And then they come up and they start <laughs> saying, they start saying, you know, oh, you know, same old, same old, just work and the kids and stuff. And you go, oh yeah, that's cool. And they go, yeah. You know, I'm going to tell you the kids at this age and then maybe let them go for two minutes talking about their kids or whatever yeah. else. And then just when when they, when they the conversation just has a bit of a pause for you to come in, you just yeah. you just say, uh, mm, let's change the subject, shall we? And then, <laughs> and then they'll kind of look at you puzzled and go, oh, okay, yeah, I guess so. And then you start talking and then it goes back to them and you let <laughs> and you let them start talking about something else and then you interject and you just go, hmm, let's change the subject, shall we? <laughs> Acting as if they've said something inappropriate that's uncomfortable and you just keep saying all night, let's change the subject, shall we? <laughs> and they're just going, why doesn't this guy like any of my subjects? And perhaps, yeah, and right. presenting as though because when it happened to me, it happened. It <laughs> happened because I think the sub the conversation just got kind of dark. And I think maybe this must have been last weekend when I was at this wedding, and yeah, I think it was just the kind of thing where it's like, oh, let's not talk about this anymore. We're all here to have fun. And I just thought mm. it'd be so good if you just didn't really understand when to use that. And you just <laughs> keep using it on new people, and you just just always just, you just thought it was a polite way to pivot to a new topic exactly but you just (laughs) i bet somebody's thought that at some point maybe uh maybe somebody who's learned english and they've gone yeah i'll just say i'm changing the subject now (laughs) so there's no confusion but it just makes everyone think like did i did I touch a nerve? I was just talking about my garden. He looks really un. I've made him look very uncomfortable, and he's oh god. Let's change the subject, shall we? Yeah, that's right. Why don't we end the show, John? You were at a wedding very recently. Yeah, you must have been engaged in a few conversations. Why don't you give us your top three my conversations favorite. from the wedding? <laughs> top three conversations from the wedding. <laughs> That's a great one. Uh, look, I, it's funny though you should that you should raise this because I've had a phrase on my mind the last couple of weeks, which I heard somewhere, which is a classic Gen Z bit of slang, which is doing it for the plot. Ah, uh, they say, like, let's you know, it's a bit like when you when you kind of make a deliberately suboptimal or risky or spontaneous decision you say well yeah i'm just doing it for the plot like called up that guy who was a bit of a jerk to see if he wanted to uh come around for a booty call doing it for the plot or like you know um quit my job and went to uh paris um is it is if i understand i've not heard this before john but i'm liking where it's going is mm -hmm. it the equivalent of 
like basically doing something because it's a good you get a good story out of it. Is it's that right. right. We would just say, and it's you know it's a classic thing where they these expressions are just modifications of expressions that have always been around. But we would say, yeah, do we, it'll make a good story or something like that. Um, but I like it because I think the sort of confluence of expressions around people saying things like I'm the main character yeah. and <laughs> and now I'm doing it for the plot. It all makes me think that like social media has created this kind of weird depersonalization where people are like imagining themselves as avatars living their kind of glamorous external facing lives. Yeah. But, uh, so I like that. I like that aspect of it. But uh, Gen Z language, Gen Z language has basically t- turned to like language that you'd find in a writer's room in Hollywood. Mm, exactly. Yeah, I'm just directing myself as I would a character. <laughs> I'm in my. I'm in this era. I'm she, doing it for the yeah, plot. She, I'm the main character. My wife is the protagonist in my life. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Strange, isn't it? Reconstructing your life as a story. I was I was somewhere recently in a backpackers hostel, and it's funny because one of the one of the people that I met at the hostel, mm-hmm. she had been traveling through the Middle East for two years, and she made a big point mm. to tell me that she was not on social media and wasn't really very into the internet, and was very much mm. sort of basically making it sound like. She'd rejected all of modern technology and right, you know, she'd right. gone to the Middle East to get the realness, which to be honest, made yeah. her very, very attractive to me. I was like, this is my kind of person. Yeah. But then, get this, then uh, another guy from the hostel came in and he started mm. chatting and they were, this girl and this man were in a conversation mm. and... He said to her about another person at the hostel, he said, oh, Gary's such a main character. And she went, ha, 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 yeah, totally. Like, <laughs> I'm like, how do you know this? That's not, a, that's not, a, that's not an expression that's been around no. for longer than a couple of years at the very, but she, but it was, it was, she knew it. She knew this person who claimed yeah. that she was not online, new main character. I wonder. It's probably I mean, massive in Iraq. That that. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Main, main, a lot of main characters. <laughs> Saddam. Saddam was such a main character. <laughs> when they pulled him out of that spider hole, they said. Yeah, exactly. They, they said, "Mr. President, we've captured the main character." And he said, "Final guys, boss. <laughs> we've captured the final boss down the spider the hole." Final boss. And he said, "Guys, I was just doing it for the plot." <laughs> <laughs> he said that was his last words before they hung him. Any last words, <laughs> Saddam, when he had the bag over his head? He said, guys, uh, Uncle Saddam was just doing it for the plot. <laughs> <laughs>